The Athletic. Hello, I'm Ian Irving. Welcome to The Athletic Football Podcast. Coming up, a special bonus for you. The Athletic's women's football pod with all the reaction to an historic night for English football. Ex-England winger Gemma Davison joins Kate Borsay and former Sunderland player turned She Kicks magazine editor Jen O'Neill to digest England's epic 8-0 win over Norway in the Euros group stages. Keep right up to date with the Lionesses throughout the tournament and beyond. Search the Athletic Women's Football Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Lauren Hill. So difficult to stop! Oh! Hello and welcome to the Athletic Women's Football Podcast Euros Edition. Coming up, it's England. England and England. It was all about England tonight. It's Kate Borsay here with former Lioness and Athletic Euros columnist Gemma Davison. Hi, Gemma. Hello, how are you? Oh, well, we'll get to that in a minute. And former <laughs> Sunderland player and She Kicks magazine editor Jen O'Neill. Jen, how are you? Um, I, I'm, I think I'm recovering, but I'm still a bit shell-shocked. Not as bad as that Norway defence, though. We've just literally stepped out of the Davison mobile from the Amex Stadium. We were all there tonight <laughs> And I'm still asking myself the question. Yeah, yes. Five-star review for the for the Uber driver, for the uh, Davison Mobile. I'm still trying to comprehend, Gemma Davison, what we've just witnessed. What we've just w- witnessed is, is probably England finding their form now and relaxing in, in the tournament, enjoying the environment and, and the stadium and the fans and, and just putting on a show tonight. It must be something special as a former Lioness for you to watch that performance, for you to see England mature, develop to this point as well. England scored the most goals of any team ever in a Euros game, men or women. Eight goals, Gemma Davison. I still don't quite know what to say about it because I've never witnessed anything like that. Have you? Not not from an England side. So on the, on a big stage as well on home soil and they look ultra ultra comfortable tonight and to be honest let's let's be honest in this it could have been more and um, it was just exciting I mean every single player was on point tonight and, and they didn't look troubled either and I think I think that's really put some worries away after France's is result last night that England are actually here and they can score a lot of goals as well. Of course, France winning 5-1 against Italy on Sunday. I've gone bold and I've called England the new France. Well, I did that at half time, and now I think they may be beyond France. But anyway, we'll get into the detail in just a few moments' time. England are through to the quarterfinals. Norway have been demolished. The crowd, well, they know what a result like tonight means. like they might have gone early or have they Jen O'Neill apparently football's coming home yeah I think they might have gone a bit giddy there <laughs> don't, don't, <laughs> don't get carried away I'm going to get a bit sort of Serena Wiegmann and, and kind of steady the ship as it were because it is only one game 
But what a game. What a game. Jen, you cannot put a wet flannel on this performance. Neither of you are allowed to put a wet flannel on this performance. We've got to enjoy these moments when we've got them. The atmosphere was absolutely brilliant tonight. It was a monumentous moment for women's football in England. You know, Jen, you saw Norway beat England 8-0 at the Euros 22 years ago. How times have changed. Yeah, that was a qualifying game. And, oh, it was it was really, it was quite awful. And at half time. Because I saw this, because when I got back to my hotel room, they were repeating it on the TV, the swines. I saw the Norway players being interviewed at halftime laughing about it because it was such an easy performance. But that was a Hope Powell era where they were taking risks and trying to build. Norway went on to win the Olympics a few years after that. So that shows you sort of where they were at that stage. But uh, England just blew them away tonight. There's question marks over whether it was a penalty, but you cannot say that they would not with that kind of performance have gone on to tear apart that Norway yes. defence down their left-hand side. Look, we'll get into all the details in just a few minutes' time, but I would like to say, before we hear some fans after the game, Norway can take their half-time laughs 22 years ago and we know where they need to stick them now. Ho, ho. Let's hear from some fans after the game then. Can you tell me what you thought of the game tonight? Tell me how you feel. Probably about a 12 out of 10. From me. Amazing! Go on the girls! I was expecting like a tough draw. Yeah. And then when when they gave us like, what was it, six in the first half? Yeah. Yeah. Billy Blank has never seen more football in her life and she was shooketh by the six goals in the first half. (laughs) Billy Blank was honestly like, we take it all from her and she was shook. And that's when you know it's a good game. It's going, it's going off. This is just the beginning. It's going to be more and more and more and more. We can't wait. I'm here with Stanley. Stanley, uh, Stanley, tell me what you've got. I got a shirt. Who did you get the shirt from? Um, uh, Jill Scott. Yeah, Jill Scott. Jill Scott. And how do you feel about having a signed shirt? My mum's is her favourite player. So your mum's pleased with that as well. Are you going to have it or is mum going to have it? Uh, I'm gonna, me and mum are going to share it. And how did you feel about watching the game tonight, Stanley? Oh, it was so good and I loved all the girls in it. And how's mum feeling? Amazing. So proud I brought him. So glad. And I've got the tickets last minute, so it's the best it. thing I've done for him. He's loved it. Awesome. I, I, love, I love the football team because um, I've never seen... Like the girls play, and they've been so good, and they scored amazing goals. It's the first football game that I've been to, and it was amazing. I had the best time. My mind is blown. This is like nothing I've ever experienced in my whole life. I think I've never seen so many people get behind women's football. It's something that I've done since I was like four or five years of age, and to see stuff like this happening, it's nothing more than what the women deserve, and it's nothing more than the country deserves for sure. Oh my god. What an amazing game. Like, we were hoping for a draw at the worst, but we annihilated them. Amazing. They are just an amazing football team. And what they're doing for women's football is absolutely outstanding. They are leading the way and they are so inspirational to all the little girls out there. They're amazing. They're just amazing. Well, look, there's going to be a lot more fans getting on the England bandwagon now. If that's you and you're maybe listening to a women's football podcast for the first time, don't worry, we've got you covered. So down at the seaside in Brighton, England certainly making waves. Boy, was it good. Let's dive into the game. Oh, close. 
just about gets the cherry on top of the icing, on top of this cake. Record-breaking, history-making, barnstorming performance from England. They have arrived at Euro 2022. So England 8, Norway 0. Savour it, drink it in for a minute. Eight goals, six in the first half. It all started with a Georgia Stanway penalty and then the goals just came flooding in. A hat-trick for Arsenal's Beth Mead, a brace for England's all-time top scorer Ellen White with young stars Lauren Hemp and Alessia Russo also on the score sheet. Gemma Davison, it's time we heard from you on this. What was it about England tonight? I think their patience was was right. I think um, they had a bit of a rocky start, but I think they really came to you know came to life. And I think as in a rocky start against Austria. No, I think they started rocky tonight tonight against Norway. Just the first five minutes, I thought, oh, this this is going to be a bit nervy. But after five ten minutes, they just started to just run run the show. I think the first five minutes. The reason I say that is that. The ball, it was almost like ping pong. The ball was was in the air for the first five minutes. I was thinking, come on, guys, let, let's get to grips with this. And um, they just, as soon as they relaxed, it was just, it was a, it was a one, one team on the pitch only. And I have to credit, I know Beth Mead scored a hat-trick and she was phenomenal, but I have to credit Kira Walsh because I, I thought she ran the show tonight. I thought her ability to spray the ball left and right and, and get hemp and mead on the ball and... I think they they were a lot better with with finding Fran Kirby a lot quicker today and and her release time on the ball was 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 top quality so um I just all over the pitch I, I just apart from the Beth Mead hatrick I can't I can't pick the best player on the pitch tonight. <laughs> it was a bit like that wasn't it? Jen O'Neill Beth Mead on fire. In fact, producer Sophie's given us a little take on this. Beth Mead on fire. Your defence is terrified. Uh, Yeah, our Euro songs continue. Left out of the Olympic squad, of course, by Norway under-19 coach Hega Riese. But she's come alive for Arsenal, certainly in the last season. And the same has to be said for England. Asked by Joe Curry, the BBC reporter, it looks like you're in the form of your life. Does it feel like that? Mead said, yes, it does. I didn't even dream of this. I thought she was phenomenal. I hear what you're saying, Gemma, about Kira Walsh. But let's, well, let's ask Beth Mead to take a bow, Jen. Yeah, well, it's, it's the truth, isn't it? No Mead, no party. And she certainly <laughs> delivered the party tonight. Uh, I interviewed her towards the end of last year and she, she said similar to lots of people since and probably before, you know, is angry Mido a thing? Yes, it is. And and she, But she's happy Mido now, isn't she? She scored, what is it, 18 goals now since Serena Beekman took over. It's a record in one season for an England player, male or female. She's just, and she's showing that confidence. That one where she wriggled through and finished, that was just awesome. She's She's... She's loving it and we're loving watching her and the crowd love her. They certainly do. And she, look, I've I've interviewed her before, uh, in fact, back at the World Cup. And I have to say she she might be accused of kind of being a bit understated. She was quite sort of not a huge personality, basically. But I feel like she's come alive in every sense of the word now. She's owning her football. She's confident. She's scoring goals. And you've just seen her absolutely flourish. She was always a really good player, but you've seen her flourish in so many other ways now. And her combinations with Lauren Hemp as well, Gemma Davison, a good few of the goals they're created by those two working together. And as our famous Euro song says, hemp to the left, me to the right. Uh, it was working beautifully, wasn't it? 
Yeah, I think um, dominating tonight in, in the wide areas, it was it was it was pretty deadly, especially on the right wing in the first half. And and Hemp, she's she's so quick uh, getting in and around the back post, and Beth Mead's awareness to, to to you know really slide the ball across the box with with speed to find Hemp. I mean, you might as well put the ball in the box very very quickly with an Ellen White as a target player and Fran Kirby hitting the edge of the box and Hemp. It's just the vision, the 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 awareness and. That, that, that's why they're both at top clubs is, is because of that, this quality they have in the final third. And they delivered tonight after a, a lot of doubt and about decisions in the final third. So I, th- I think they really put that element of doubt to rest tonight. And um, I think everyone's looking forward to, to, to watching the next game. I certainly am. Ellen White was very good tonight. She was yes. so strong. She hasn't played well this season. She hasn't what, scored for quite a few months. And Lucy Bronze was back to her best as well. And, that, and she's just getting over COVID. Physical battles. Ellen White yeah. as well, isn't she? They, they so, won the physical battles, yeah. Yeah. Not only were they were they physical, but they, they also combined really well. There was real skill there. I was so surprised after about three... I mean, I was surprised the whole way through, let's be honest. But after three goals had gone in, I just I was totally stunned because I really... Gemma wasn't expecting the game to start like that. I thought it would be a very cagey 20 to 25 minutes where the players would be feeling and, and, and kind of working each other out. But it just wasn't like that at all. And you've got, you know, Norway, a huge talent there. The Champions League all-time top scorer, Ada Hegerberg, Chelsea star Guru Wright and Barcelona wizard Caroline Graham Hansen. I just was not expecting this. No, I, I can be completely honest and say I, I definitely wasn't expecting that. And um, I don't want to say I was disappointed because I'm, I'm so, so happy that England have made a massive statement in this tournament now. But I just, I, just, I just expected more. And I do think in the first five minutes they started well, but I just think England got everything right in this game. I think they had a, a plan to stop. The, the highest goal scorers in, in Hegelberg and I think Millie Bright and Leah Williamson really, really managed her well. Um, I think if, if you stop her, then you, you stop the pivotal player of the team. And, and, and you have to give, give credit to, to the players playing at the back in Leah and, and Millie because they, they really kept her quiet and I, they, they lost that support in the middle. Gemma, you've played with Mara Mielder at Chelsea. The Norway captain couldn't do enough. In fact, none of the defenders could do enough. What went wrong defensively for Norway? And and I know England gave them so much, it was hard for them to handle, but they could not get a grip on England. No, I, I think England punished when it mattered most. And, and I really think Norway got explo- exploited in the fullback areas tonight. Um, I think Lucy Bronze really, really capitalised on on getting on the front foot on that right-hand side in the first half. And as soon as you get to 3-0 and, and they started to double up on, on Blackstad on that right wing, I, I think it was game over because I, I don't think she had a great game. And I think that that was very difficult. I mean, talking about Marami Elder, she's had a very, very tough season. And from my experience playing with Marin, she's an, a world-class player but she's had a really difficult time with injury this year and she, and she will get back to her best. But I think it was very, very difficult for for, for Norway because England were, were fire, fire down each wing. If it mm. wasn't the left, it was the right. But I do think Lucy Bronze really, really stepped it up a level in attacking down that right-hand side tonight. Jen, we knew it was going to be fire meets fire, attack versus attack tonight, but obviously only one team fulfilled their half 
of that bargain, really. From your analysis, what went wrong with Norway tonight? Well, we already kind of knew that Norway's defence was flimsy. It's it's kind of makeshift, but it turns out it's paper thin if you actually run at it. Because Torres Dottier isn't really that comfortable, I don't think, at centre-back. She struggled. It was her mistake, which Ellen White capitalised on to finish to make it 3-0. Julie Blackstead, as Gemma says, isn't really a left-back. She tried to get forward. There was huge space down there and, and it was exploited by Bronze and Mead and then everything was going down that right. And for some reason, Martin Schurgen just did not do anything to stop it. He didn't change anything until half-time. It was 6-0 by then. He went to five at the back, bringing on uh, Guru Bergsband and changing it and bringing Hansen into the midfield onto the right. Why didn't he do that sooner? It, it's incredible that he just left his players out there floundering as England just marauded over and over again. Psychologically, that has to be damaging for the players. It was heads down for Torres Dottier too at the Manchester United defender. She was to blame for giving away the penalty, Jen. Some say it, it was a bit of a soft penalty, but still she she got her hands on Ellen White. And Ellen White goes to ground and, and that's the, one of the main turning points of the game, isn't it? As Gemma says, Neil does not been fit. It's so hot out there. It's difficult conditions when you're being overrun. I didn't think that angry Ingrid was your one of your favourites. Ingrid Engen, the Barcelona midfielder, didn't step up. And then she wasn't angry, was she? At all tonight. No, but they, they just didn't touch the ball. I forgot they were on the pitch. These are two of the best players in the world. It went yeah. wrong, he, and he said that it's his fault, didn't he? I mean, this is just one game. They could still win it. I mean, they're not out of it yet. They've got to turn themselves around and get ready to play against Austria. They gave England, Norway, so much space, I thought. Mead particularly was given so much space. It was just, it was mind-bogglingly disorganised, I've written here, when I was sort of making a few exasperated notes during the game. Even in the second half, even when they'd made some changes, Chloe Kelly came on and they, they practically let her perform a tap dance with the ball outside the goal area. I, I mean, it was it was bonkers, Gemma Davison. Yeah, I, I think obviously it's probably pride's been hurt at that point, but they did drop deeper and make it harder for England in that last ten fifteen minutes. So I just I just think at that point it's it's, it's, it's they know it's game over. You're playing for pride. You you're playing to just keep that score line down as much as you can, and um, it's a really difficult situation to, to, to be in for them and. But at the same time, I was really impressed with England because they, they, they wanted more goals. And, and that's what everyone's been saying about the manager is she, she's determined to, if, if, even if they're winning 20-0, they want to win 24-0. And that's, that's, that's the sign of champions right there is mm. if you have that mentality to not feel sorry for your opponent and you're going to keep hammering them until it's 90 minutes and it's done. So, you know, really impressed by England and... As, as much as Norway, it's difficult for them at the same time. This is Chloe Kelly's game. She is one of my favourite players to watch in the women's game at the moment. Um, very similar to myself in terms of just tearing opponents apart and making them look stupid. <laughs> so she, I'm quite happy. I'll pay, I'll pay money to watch Chloe Kelly. <laughs> look, Gemma, you've played with them. Your thoughts on starters and subs. Would you start with the same 11? It was an unchanged 11, of course, uh, from Austria uh, midweek from that 1-0 win against Austria for England. Would you start with the same 11? Would you make the same subs? Or actually, do we have a team here where for certain positions, it might not matter so much who you start with? 
this is the thing with tournament football is is you have to see how people are feeling because there is, it's a lot of games in a short amount of time. So in terms of the manager's decisions and, and the, the medical staff, you have to see how everyone's feeling. But if it was me, I'd, I'd keep the same lineup just based on the fact that they found a rhythm now. She hasn't changed the lineup. You know, do you really want to take... Beth Mead off the pitch just because she scored four goals now. Do you really want to take <laughs> Ellen White? She's found form. Do you really, do you really want to replace Lauren Hemp? Do you really want to replace Frank Kirby, who's p- pulling the strings and releasing the ball at the right time? I don't think I would. How about Alex Greenwood, Jen O'Neill, for you? When she came on, she looked like the kind of player who was jostling for her position. She's someone that we should talk about. Well, yeah, I mean, she's so unfortunate to have missed out with moving Mia back into the back lane. She's had such an outstanding season and never let Serena Wiegmann down at all, Greenwood. I, I think there's several players we've mentioned that it's this, the competition for places is real. And Ella Toon is desperate to score. She's so positive when she gets on the pitch and gets on the ball. I agree with Gemma and I, and I always think that you should keep that momentum and, and keep informed players playing. But it's, it is tournament football and I would expect Serena to rest some of those players, especially when we consider the conditions that they're playing in. It's hot, it's humid. This is they're in it for the long haul. So Georgia Stanway was on her knees at the end of the last game. She was brilliant again tonight. But can she keep going? Can she do that for six or seven games? Yeah, and look, we're all as high as kites, basically. I'm just to give our listeners a little behind the scenes action. I'm currently sat in Lindsay Hooper's hotel room at the moment. She's not here. She's still working at the game. Jen O'Neill is in a hotel in Brighton, which she described earlier to me as uh, like Austin Powers' sex <laughs> pad. Uh, Jen. Um, I'll, I'll tweet pictures, don't worry. Yes. Which has been more colourful, the game or your bedroom tonight? <laughs> Um, oh, they're, they're both sexy. <laughs> okay. And Gemma Davison is sat down in the down in the hotel workspace at the moment. So I'm up in the hotel room. Gemma Davison's been been relegated, Gemma, to the workspace, taking it all very seriously. I'm, uh, I'm well, look, sitting at the bar, so I'm all right. Well, yeah, this is this is true. And uh, <laughs> someone has just left Gemma in the bar with all that booze. Uh, we are going to have to have a celebratory tipple at some point, aren't we, before we leave? Uh, but look, speaking of Lindsay, she sent us this voice note. I'm going to do something a bit different for our post-match tonight because 8-0, it's not very often you get England scoring eight goals past Norway, ranked only three behind them in the world rankings. So I just thought I'd come for a drink. I'm being honest and I've got everyone around me so I thought I'd share it with them. Um, Who's here? Uh, Hello. (laughs) It's uh, Joe, Joe Curry uh, from BBC Sport. Definitely have not just uh, opened a can of lager. No. Um, Who else am I with? Um, hi, this is Robin Cowan. I'm staying for a few drinks after commentating. <laughs> you know that's not the voice of Robin Cowan. That's Rachel Brown Finnis. Uh, we've also got producer extraordinaire Charlotte Milburn working for BBC Sport alongside Joe Curry. And I'm so sorry for him. He, he's actually not had a great night. What you can hear there is Lindsay playing the smallest violin in the world for Norway reporter Phil O'Connor. <laughs> yes, I am. Oh, Phil, Phil, Phil. Uh, let's start with you. Um, you had to interview Arda Hegerberg or Hegerberry. As... Hegerberry, yeah. Hegerberry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What did she have to say? 
Um, very little, right? But the, the thing you have to understand about Ada is that Ada is a different class of winner to what we're used to, right? She's up there with the LeBron Jameses, the Serena Williams. She doesn't like to lose, right? But she puts it behind her very, very quickly. And that was the thing that she came in and she went, look, you know, she tried to get the, the girls together after they conceded the first goal or two and was going, okay, this is not good enough. We've got to get this together. And then she just gave up because she reckoned this game is over, right? It's, it's on to Friday. So she was really disappointed. But her thing was, okay, we've got to get ready for Friday and this starts now. And that's about the only thing they have going for them is that they've got a winner like that in the camp. That's the only thing that might save them at this Euros. They want to forget it as soon as possible. So does Serena by the sounds of it. But we want to revel in it a bit longer. So, Joe, what was your favourite moment? Uh, weirdly, it's not kind of Ling- England-based, uh, but one of my favourite moments tonight was working with John Arnarisa. He was uh, alongside me and Farrah Williams' pitch side. Um, and just seeing his anger and disgust, <laughs> and I don't mean that in a disrespectful way, it was just um, ha- having a pundit just be... We don't get a lot of criticism in the women's game. And having someone who would kind of call out at half-time, 6-0 down and say how it was, was refreshing. But other than that, seeing... Um, interviewing Serena post-match, she... I had a quick chat, a very brief chat with her before we went on camera and she was just like, what was that? You know, no, but she, she's, um, she was excellent. And the players, just compared to the opening game, the players kind of came through the, the, the flash zone, not unhappy, but certainly not happy. Tonight, everyone was grinning from ear to ear and um, those kind of moments when you get to do post-match interviews with those, you know, those players and those moods are, you know, special. Norway back three they didn't change it Rachel no they would start with the back four and should have gone to back nine I think after about 10 minutes Uh, (laughs) but um, you know the the manager just did nothing and that was the worst thing they could have done because come half time you're 6-0 down and the game is irretrievable so you know after 2-0 we could all see that tactically it wasn't working that there were big gaps between um, the the sort of full backs and the the centre halves and also the two midfielders Borisa and Engen just weren't getting close enough to defenders to affect what England were doing to them the opening 10 minutes I felt like the opening 5-10 minutes felt like the game was in the balance that Norway were, were attacking and were showing kind of why they are deemed as one of the, the kind of world's best teams and England were doing the same but the penalty sort of changed things uh, and, and at that point that's when the manager did need to change something and uh, you know I think justifiably yes of course the girls need to take responsibility the players on the pitch for an abject performance but it could have been stopped in its tracks at sort of 1-2-0 I do believe that it should have been different and maybe the fact that we've got Serena Wiegmann tactical genius um, (laughs) as well as all the work she's done you know off the pitch uh, that we have definitely the kind of upper edge with having her at the helm Phil was sat next to me for the entirety of that match. We were as high up as you could get in the in the Brighton Community Stadium, but um, he kept going, it's the same ball, it's the same ball, every time. Um, you had a decision to make, Charlotte, because you're talking with Joe about players, and you were going to be interviewing Ellen White until a late change. Yes, a late change. Um, obviously, yeah, both of them were had had two goals to their name at that point um so yeah 10 minutes before full time we put in the request that we wanted to speak to Ellen um and yeah changed it to Beth Mead at the 11th hour but yeah fully deserved and yeah she was great so well thank you very much because I think this is more than ample for filling our time and we've got more people joining Vicky Sparks Vicky come on final thought from you incredible almost flawless from the lionesses I think 
it was outstanding to see them taken away apart in a way that we saw them do in the friendly against the Netherlands for a shorter period of time. But this time they did it over a 90-minute period. I think you have to look at Norway as well. They, they were shambolic. To fall apart after that penalty is, is just inexcusable. And they will know that. They're, they're so much better than what they showed. But for England, outstanding through to the quarterfinals with a game to spare. And they mean business. And spare a thought for Phil, who had to endure all of that. <laughs> He's got his head in his hands. I will be mowing my lawn by Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we move on from England, let's get out our hopometer. And it sounds like this. Now, we're using this to track how hopeful we're feeling about England's chances this Euros. Try not to get carried away. I was a 6.9 after the Austria game. What I'd like to know is how each of you, how hopeful each of you are feeling about England at this tournament right now. Marks out of 10. Producer Sophie's told me that we can go above 10 here, but I'm one of those really, like, <laughs> I don't believe there is no above 100% for people who say I like to give 110%. So I, I can't have anyone go above a 10, I don't think. Jen, let's go to you. Where are you at the moment on the Hopometer? Oh, I'm for winning it. I'm a, I'm an 8.4, and if anybody knows me, that's massive because I'm the most <laughs> pessimistic, boring, irritating, negative person around. It's the hope I can't stand, but eight, you know, at 8.4, that's that's good. That is going, Sam. Gemma Davidson. Mm, I just think I just I, I want to stay on the fence just because I don't want to get my hopes up. But the way they've performed tonight, that they've they've definitely definitely made a statement. I just I'm interested to see how they are when they're challenged against the, the better teams, the Germanys, the Spains. I, I'm just interested. I, I think they can do it because I think they're going to build rhythm. So I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it an eight. We yes, had to Gemma. work at that, didn't we, Gemma? But well done for getting there eventually. <laughs> I'm going 9.3. I've gone up from a 6.9 to a 9.3. Are you uh, sure you're not in the bar already? <laughs> <laughs> as I just put down my martini. Uh, no, 9.3 is where I'm going. Well, that's how we feel about England. Uh, let us know where you're at on socials at The Athletic UK and at Offside Rule Pod. Now to the other Group A game of the day in Southampton where Austria celebrated after they sunk Northern Ireland. Yes, the seaside puns keep coming. Oh, Miss that one with you. Could be trouble. That's the game now. Austria took the lead in the first 20 minutes after a deflected free kick from Sarah Puntigam was glanced in by Katerina Schiechtel. Northern Ireland kept Austria out for most of the game, but a late second goal in the 88th minute for Katerina Naschenweng sealed Austria's 2-0 victory at St Mary's in Southampton. With us to discuss this one is the Athletics' Kiva O'Neill, the second O'Neill on the show. I might give Martin O'Neill a ring in a minute and see what he thinks. Uh, Kiva, welcome to the show. You were at the game, weren't you, today? What did you make of it? Well, it was very hot, very hot and sweaty. But no, I was, you know, I guess disappointed for Northern Ireland because they just were fighting in that heat and it, it was just so warm. I think there was a couple of water breaks in between, you know, uh, both halves and they were just fighting out there. And then obviously that last goal sort of, well, obviously the first goal was difficult to take because it was deflection, not really much the keeper could have done to react quick enough to it. And then 
the you know the last goal come at a time when you know Northern Ireland were pushing a little bit, but still not really creating anything clear cut throughout the game. And it was you know probably difficult for their fans to watch, even though they were in fine voice. And there was sort of a nice little back and forth between you know the Austria fans would sing the song and the Northern Ireland fans would respond. So it was quite nice to listen to that. <laughs> but yeah, just Northern Ireland just just didn't have enough in the end, which is. Really disappointing for them, and obviously, you know, with England's massive results, that uh, puts Northern Ireland out of the Euros with one game to go. Obviously, against England, and then I'll be thinking, you know, that they're playing for pride. They can't, they can't do what Norway did, certainly, and no one expected Norway to do what Norway did tonight. So it's it's going to be interesting that game to see how much Northern Ireland can do to stop England. I think it's fair to say that Northern Ireland really miss Simone McGill. She's out, of course, injured. One of the two big stars, really, for Northern Ireland. Yeah, you feel really sorry for her. Though. You know, Aston Miller have been looking for a striker. They get one and, you know, a few days later she gets injured. I don't know the extent of the injury. Obviously, she went down clutching her name and come off the pitch in the first game and that was her, her tournament over. And you do feel like they missed a, a player of her calibre and quality, definitely. And, you know, to see Rachel Furness carrying the a top, before the game with a name and number on was you know, quite emotional because this was, you know, such a special uh, time for this Northern Ireland team. You know, all of them in the first major tournament, they've, they've got here and you know, what an achievement it is to be here. But then not to be able to play is just devastating because, I mean, in reality, they were probably aware that they was, you know, up, up against it to get out of the group. But, you know, for, for Simone not to be able to play is is really sad because she is such a quality player and you know let's hope that injury isn't isn't too bad and she can you know uh, kick on with Aston Miller. How about player manager reactions after the game who did you speak to you mentioned their other star Rachel Furness of course what were they saying? As you will have seen Austria you know, all the players come in sort of gate crashed it which was quite fun to watch I was smiling my head off filming that, that how did that happen so they basically kind of stormed in didn't they with with their face masks on I've seen a TikTok up on the athletic which is probably your video but did they just put sort of burst in randomly in that post-match press conference Austria yeah the music just started playing behind us and I had these big headphones on because obviously you know you're trying to listen to the translations of what the manager's saying and then I was like Something really loud happening behind me. What's going on? So I turned around and then obviously Zinsberger and the rest of them got this big, massive speaker and they're all just dancing and, and running in. And then we kind of figured, you know, celebrating the victory because it, it was a vital victory for them. It keeps them in the hunt, you know, keeps them, you know, with the opportunity to get out of this group alive. And, you know, facing Norway at this time, you know, will, will be interesting for them, won't it? So, yeah, that was good fun. And then obviously, you, you know, um, Heard from Kenny Shields, Northern Ireland's boss, and yeah, just I guess sort of you could tell it was a bit of the spirit to down there because they they kind of knew that was it for them, but you know still plenty to work on, and you know the young players that come on at the end, they're sort of still he was speaking a lot about the future, and that you know it was amazing to get here at this time. You know they didn't expect to really get it to a major tournament, and how quickly did it? So you know I think if they can stay on that trajectory, things bode well for them. Yeah, first major tournament for Northern Ireland. And it should be pointed out as well that I think the Austria team are all professional, aren't they? Whereas that's not the case at all, really, for Northern Ireland. Only a few players professional in that team. So when you just compare that, the fact that they 
that they did hold Austria to, well, they were only a goal down for quite a lot of the game, Northern Ireland. They did put in a fairly respectable performance, really, for holding Austria for as long as they did. Uh, listen, Kiva, I hope you can enjoy a little bit of relaxation, maybe a dip in the sea tomorrow. Yeah, you never know. I'm in London now, so I don't know. Is there any beaches around here? <laughs> Not unless they've got spillage on them. It's <laughs> around by water and Birkenhead, which is nice. But yeah, <laughs> keep my eye out and dip my toes in and relax. All right. Well, thanks so much to the Athletics, Kiva O'Neill. Moving away from the coast now, let's see what's coming up on Tuesday. You're listening to the Athletic Women's Football Podcast, Euro Edition. Well, I promise the seaside puns are done now because we're going to move to Brentford and Milton Keynes for Tuesday's games. It's a big one in Group B, eight-time champions, Germany against a Spain side filled with talent from Barcelona. German journalist Tamara Keller joins us again and she caught up with producer Sophie ahead of this one. So I've got Tamara Keller with me to preview the Germany-Spain game. It's a big one, this one, isn't it, Tamara? But... You're missing Leia Schiller now because of COVID. Is that going to have a big impact? Hmm, I'm not sure about it. It's um, it's sad that we have like the first COVID case in the tournament. But as you saw in the last game, we have a very strong offense. And I guess like or one of the biggest advantages of the German team is that we have like in the offense, we could change every player to one to one. Like we, we can bring like Alexandra Pop or something like that and it will be as strong as that. But it's very sad because Leah Schiller is really one of the top scorers of the Bundesliga. So yeah. We will miss her, but I hope it won't matter that much. It was a very impressive performance from Germany against Denmark. I think a lot of people had underestimated Germany potentially going into the tournament, but actually they were very strong. One thing that uh, Michael Cox pointed out on The Athletic is that Germany's passing quality was very high against a Spanish team that also prides itself on passing quality. Do you think they're going to try and beat Spain at their own game there (laughs) in terms of passing? I think that's why it will now be the most interesting game of the group because like Spain and Germany play very similar Also, I thought that the Finland-Spain game wasn't that strong as the German game because like Spain wasn't that much forward or not that high in quality, but that could also be like an advantage for them now because like they can still uh, go to a higher level and the German level was already very high. So it will be difficult to to continue on this high level, I guess. Also, we have still to look. We talked about it the last time when I was uh, invited to your podcast. The German defense is a bit weak. So maybe that's a problem against Spain. It wasn't against Denmark because they were they hadn't like that much opportunity to to go through this and I think uh, it might be a more important matter or thing against this, against Spain. And in terms of key players to watch out for in this game who might be able to counter Spain's style or any key matchups you're looking for, is there anyone people should be looking out for? 
I think Lena Oberdorf will be quite important on like the sixth position. We saw she she's a very strong player, like she knows how to fight. And I guess this will be a game where you need like a strong fighting mind <laughs> to get through it. I wonder where, where you'll be watching the game. Is there a kind of atmosphere around the German team and potentially around this game, quite a big one against Spain? That's kind of, uh, quite of an interesting question because I tried to watch with a friend. Like we were looking in the outdoor outdoor spaces in Berlin, something like public viewing or something like that. And it was quite difficult for us to find a place. So it's not like when the men play football and you can go like everywhere. But we now found uh, like a small pub with um, outside atmosphere where we will go and watch the game like with six other people from from Twitter. <laughs> from Twitter? Yeah, really? it's like we connected through Twitter and uh, asked there if um, some more people are interested in that. Yeah, uh, I'm very excited about that. <laughs> That's brilliant. Well, hopefully the atmosphere will grow if, if Germany get further through the tournament the atmosphere is great since the first win it's kind of very interesting before i i had the feeling or it was my impression that everyone everyone doubts like the german team and now they they played that well in the first game everyone is like oh it was such a great game it was such a nice performance and i was like yeah, I knew that before that they could do this. And it's it's somehow sad that they always have first like to prove that they are good enough. And I feel like this is something always women have to do and men don't have to do that that much because you have only you have always to be on your best performance and like the best of the best to get recognized and that you prove that you have to be the right to be there. And that's kind of a bit sad but I'm also excited that a lot of people saw like the game and are like seeing how great these players are. That's a really interesting point and I think it'll be interesting as we talk to more people throughout the podcast to see whether that's the case in other countries as well I suspect I suspect it might be but yeah hopefully after that first performance and potentially after the performance against Spain it will it will grow even bigger. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Tamara Keller speaking to producer Sophie there. What do we think, both of you, Gemma Davison and Jen O'Neill, about what Tamara's had to say about women in Germany having to overperform to get the attention they deserve? Gemma, is that something that that sort of you can relate to at all? I mean, it's not just football, is it? I mean, everyone's <laughs> got, That's got so an true. opinion. You know, um, we're still fighting that battle, but I, I do think that it's it's improving. Um, I think there's a lot more awareness, but I still think we've got a, a long way to go. I feel like every time there's a major tournament um, in terms of women's football, people gain more respect. And I, I get the overperforming. I, I get it, but people have, have got to watch the game differently now. It's You can't compare it to the men's sport. We've all had this conversation before. It's a completely different sport, in my opinion. Um, is 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 you can't compare anything. You can't compare physicality. You can't compare speed. But you look at the choices people make on the ball, the technical brilliance and excellence of all the players that are on show now. And th- this game tomorrow, I mean Germany, they're just they're, they're one of the best ever. And if anyone says they're not contenders, they'd be 
kidding themselves. And, and Barcelona players in Spain. I mean, you're going to witness some unbelievable football tomorrow night. Will it though, Jen O'Neill? Germany winning their first game 4-0 against Denmark. That got everyone talking. We know what Spain are capable of. Is there any danger that these two sides are going to cancel each other out? Or what will we be expecting in this one from your point of view? I think that Spain, to a certain extent, have been overhyped coming into this. And certainly now that without Jenny Hermoso, who was injured before, and then Alexis Patelius, ACL, just before the tournament started, they've never got, I mean, they've not won a knockout game before. They don't have the pedigree in, in tournament football. I mean, they play lovely football to watch, but with really, we're not seeing them with the end product, you know, at, at the top level. Whereas Germany, uh, the other night, I saw them play Denmark and Denmark just weren't at the races, but Germany were amazing. Lena McGull was superb, just playing behind the front player. Leah Schuller is a miss. She's got COVID. She was leading the line for them. But everybody's been uh, understandably impressed by France. I was really impressed by Germany. And they were a team that if, the, if they turned up with the right selection and Martina Vos-Tecklenburgers, they've had some odd results in the last six, seven months. They lost to yeah. Serbia in World Cup qualifying. But honestly, the other night they were incredible. And and I think they're going to be too much for Spain. I could be wrong, but that's my, that's my expectation for tomorrow. Oh, too much for Spain. And as you say, Spain missing the Ballon d'Or winner, Alexia Puteas, uh, along with Jenny Hermoso, one of their other star players, has certainly put uh, a bit of a hole in their side. Gemma, what are you expecting from this one? And is there an argument here that perhaps both defences could be vulnerable or would that more be for Spain? I'd say more so Spain, but the thing with Spain is you you have to get the ball from them first and they are probably the best in the world with ball retention at the moment and possession games. So the, the problem will arise is the Germans are so good on transition that they will damage you in six seconds if they win the ball back. So it's can can Spain deal with that tra- transition if they lose it, but can can Germany regain the ball? So it's going to be a tight contest, but I, I can't call it. I, I think it's going to be quite tight. I think yeah. that Germany are, are prepared to play direct if they need to, and that's what yeah. um, Finland Finland hit Spain quite quickly. They got the goal. Spain weren't ready for it. And that in Germany are one of the best teams are just coming out of the blocks, just absolutely just raging at the opposition. They should have had about six or seven in the first half against Denmark. Yeah, it feels like Germany have got a point to prove. And for those who didn't see the games in the first uh, round of group games, Spain beat Finland 4-1 and Germany won 4-0 against Denmark. In the earlier game, then on Tuesday, Denmark are going to take on Finland. A chance for Denmark really to show their attacking quality with the 2018 and 2020 UEFA Women's Player of the Year, Penella Harder. Although Finland scored early on the counter against Spain, as you mentioned, Jen. What are you expecting from this one? I would hope that Penella Harder actually gets a pass. I yeah. mean, it was, it, it was frustrating, wasn't it? Everybody watching that game must have felt so much for her. Yeah, she, she was... She was Making herself available at every opportunity. She's putting the work in, but people were just not, they just couldn't somehow get the ball to her. You can't affect anything in the game if you haven't got the ball, which is what Gemma's saying about when people play against Spain. It's when you get it, you've got to use it wisely. That's what I expect Germany to do. But yeah, I, I would hopefully see the Denmark team that a lot of us 
paraded and and were wanting to see do things in this tournament. They've got yes. to steady themselves. Can the real Denmark please stand up? That's what you're saying, isn't it, Jen O'Neill? Exactly. Um, exactly. Before we leave you, a couple of injury updates to keep an eye for in the other games to come. For the Netherlands, their keeper and captain, Sari van Vienendal, is out of the tournament. Picked up a shoulder injury in their opening game against Sweden. And the Switzerland team cancelled their training on Monday morning because eight players and 11 staff members were suffering with stomach problems. Uh, Their next game is against Sweden on Wednesday. Let's hope it's not a messy affair. We wish them all the best. Well, that's all we've got time for on today's The Athletic Women's Football Podcast Euros edition. Thank you to Gemma and to Jen. I expect both of you are going to need... A bit of a lie down, Jen, in your Austin Powers sex pad. And uh, uh, Gemma, you're driving home, I think, aren't you? Yeah, I'm going to go back to London and, and find the 35 degree weather and try and get um, build on the suntan. <laughs> well, I'm going to check in with Lindsay Hooper next. I'm due to meet her. She's, uh, she's having a jolly nice time next door. Uh, I may well join them. Thank you for joining us and thank you for listening. And do listen again as well if it's uh, your first time to this show. Uh, we're going to be enjoying taking you through our daily shows in this Euros tournament. Don't forget to follow and subscribe to our channel and keep telling your friends and family about us too. It was England's night, so we have to end with producer Abby's very own England anthem. I feel this is the only appropriate thing to do. Enjoy, and we'll see you tomorrow. Hands to the left, me to the right. Ellen's up front, Minnie's looking bright. They don't need introduction. Follow Serena's instruction. Hands to the left, me to the right. Ellen's up front, Millie's looking bright. They don't need introduction. Follow Serena's instruction. The Athletic.